Welcome to Chris in Christ, a show about being redeemed and saying so. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm so excited you tuned in to today's testimony and transparency. Let's stay connected. Follow me on all social media platforms and anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Just put in Chris in Christ. Let's go. First things first, what's on top? What's that thing you've got to get out of your way so that you can focus today? What's up, y'all? want to talk to you about what's on top for me today. What's on top for me this week is I realize that I like to share things with people only when I feel like God has helped me overcome it or I can actually speak on the matter. I rarely say things that I have an answer to if I don't have the answer. And if I don't have the answer... I might just be like, I don't know about that, but I think I wanted the vision for this show to be, I came through it, God brought me through it, now let me reach out my hand to help someone else and talk to the other people who have also been through it so we can help people to get to the next level. But I'm going to be totally honest with you, and for today's topic, I have not, have not, have not mastered this. God has not brought me all the way through it yet. I'm actually right in the thick of it. What author Gary Thomas talks about as being vulnerable and stupid. I'm going to break all this down and explain to you what it means. It blew my mind when I learned about it, and I'm still trying to get a hold of it and incorporate it into my life. So here we go. Y'all ready? I'm going to play a little trivia, okay? I'm going to list certain characteristics describing a thing, and I want you guys to guess what I'm talking about. Are you ready? All right. Gary Thomas talks about this certain thing described as just a few neurons short of being an addiction. It lasts on average from 12 to 18 months, so a year to a year and a half. Affects the same area of the brain as cocaine and gambling. Causes the person to see what's not there and to not see what is there. And is stronger and harder to restrain than sexual passion. So controlling your sexual urges is easier than controlling the urges related to this thing. Y'all want to know what we're talking about today? infatuation and Gary Thomas simply puts it as being vulnerable and stupid in his book The Sacred Search now I like Gary because he's not afraid to tell you how it is and The Sacred Search is a book that will challenge you to think beyond finding a soulmate and to look for a soul s-o-l-e mate And he describes this as, you know, we always think that there's that one perfect person out there for us. And there's only one person that 
God created for us, when in reality, we need to be looking for someone who will walk with us on our spiritual journey. So we're looking for someone that'll make us feel good and give us the butterflies. But what we really need to be looking at is someone that will be our spiritual partners. Um, Because a lot of times people don't even know why they get married. Marriage was created to show how God loves the church and like what that relationship looks like. It's never ending. It's a full commitment. Um, And it kind of explains the roles between marriage. And I'm not going to really get into that because I'm not married, but stay tuned. You know, we'll talk to a married couple and they can break it all down. But what I will stick to is this infatuation stage that we get into when we meet or we're interested in someone and what we need to be doing. How can we stay wise and objective during the dating season? Because it's so difficult to slip really fast. It's so difficult to try to stay grounded and to really objectively weigh the pros and the cons of the person. And so I love Gary because he says that infatuation is when we just idealize something and somebody. We don't necessarily highlight their flaws. We kind of dismiss them and diminish them. Um, And we just only look at the good things. Oh, he drives this kind of car. Oh, she looks like this. Oh, they're really sweet and nice. You know, those are wonderful things. However, Gary kind of breaks down what we should be looking for, the conversations we should be having, the questions that we need to be asking. Because at the end of the day, we're not trying to find someone who can win a pageant. We're trying to find the person that we will spend the rest of our lives with and ultimately the person that we are going to choose to represent how Christ loves the church. That is what marriage was created for, to be a physical human example of how Christ loves the church and how beautiful and unconditional and never ending that is. Now, granted, You know, the devil is going to do anything to come against God. And he's going to do that by doing things that go against what God ordained. God ordained and created marriage. So that's why we see so many marriages failing, so many divorces, and the trickle effect of that. But I love what Devon Franklin says. He says, you know, if we date better, we'll marry better. And if we marry better, we'll build better families, we'll parent better. And if we parent better, we'll raise a better generation in so many words. And I just love that because as singles, we have the power right now by using discernment and wisdom and caution to determine the quality of our generation and the next generation. The decisions we make right now affect our livelihood, our well-being, possibly our children and our children's children. Like we get to create our family tree. Um, He talks about infatuation and says like it's the same as doing a business deal while you're tipsy. 
But I mean, let's think about infatuation. Like when you first meet somebody, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you look at their Instagram, you hang out for the first time, you talk on the phone, like, and you just get so giddy and like you're in a good mood and you have all this energy that you didn't have before and people can tell you're kind of glowing. Like that is a strong, strong thing. This infatuation thing is super strong, but we see it all the time. And that's what's like, praised in the media songs poems all that like it talks about infatuation not necessarily love but just like those giddy wonderful butterfly feelings that you get this infatuation is a big beast and we gotta learn how to tame it so like I said in you know what's on top This isn't something that I've mastered. Obviously, still single. But, and I don't mean to say that with the attitude, but it's facts. But I can let you know how these things have helped me to weed out the real from the fake. And to weed out what's really, you know, what would actually be my best fit. And to focus on compatibility and not just attraction. So with infatuation, the way that he says we need to kind of fight this idealization and kind of work through the haze of it is to just be objective. Write things down and have a plan of like what you're going to ask. What are you looking for? Um, and then just totally being honest with your interest You know, I think why we get so, well, I'll put myself, why I can get so caught up in not wanting to end something is because I don't think that God will provide something else. You know, I get stuck in, oh, there's one person out there for me. When clearly that's a lie. And it's like, no, like there's plenty of people out here that are suitable for me. I just have to find what those, you know, non-negotiables are for me. And so learning and being single and like learning and see what God says about it. I've learned that no matter what, like it all has to boil down to one thing. And, you know, that's the first round of auditions. Like once the person meets first round of auditions, which is being a spiritual leader. My mate has to honor God and we have to be able to work together. I can't be unequally yoked. And just from a comfort standpoint, me and God are pretty tight right now. So no matter what or who comes in the picture, we've got to be on the same spiritual page. We both have to pray. We both have to fast. We both have to be bold about sharing God's word. We both have to be serving because we are ultimately going to complement each other. So I want to make sure I'm on an equal if you know if I if he's not up to my standard then it's okay if you're stronger in your faith than I am. But I need my mate to be the spiritual leader. So some of the things that um, 
I would recommend is one, always ask God about the person. So in my little journal, whenever I meet someone, I literally will put their name in question mark. So let's say I talk to somebody named John and I'll put in my Bible, John, question mark, question mark, question mark. And just to know, the record shows like, God, I asked you about John. And then my job then is to have my ears and my eyes peeled. Because I ask God a question and you better believe he's going to answer it. So I need to be listening for things that God would would approve of. I need to be listening for things that he wouldn't approve of. You know? I need to be looking at this person's morals. They're, are they inte- um, Do they have integrity? How do they treat their friends? How do they treat their family? Because we all put on our best mask when we meet somebody and we're trying to impress. But that eventually will fade away. So you can look and see, okay, how are they at work? How are they in church? How are they with their friends? Watch those things because God, if you've asked God, he's going to show you. You just got to keep your eyes open. Number two, I would suggest writing down the things you want to know. These are things to talk about on dates or on the phone or texting as the time comes, you know, but talk about short-term goals, long-term girls. Talk about their past. Ask them, you know, what's something that God is working on you right now because some people are really open and can talk about their past openly and honestly. But when it comes to like the current struggles, that's something they may not be so so open about. So you can learn a lot about a person by them sharing their current vulnerabilities and their current struggles. You know, you want to talk about how they got saved because a lot of people believe in God, but they don't really know much about Jesus. And that's kind of how you can weed out, you know, who's playing and who's not. Talk about finances. You know, I don't know how soon, but eventually you got to talk about, you know, you got to see how they spend. Are they wise with their spending? Were they wise with their credit? You know, these things may be important later um, if you guys choose to move forward Just things that you normally wouldn't talk about on a date that seem a little too serious. Mm -mm, Talk about that. Including celibacy. Now, granted, I may be a little extreme. But like within the first couple of conversations, or especially if if I go on a first date, I'm telling that person I'm celibate. Straight up and down. I don't care. Because I'm not about to waste your time or mine. If you're not going to be willing to do that with me, then you got to go, period. There's a door. Is it still why I'm single? Maybe, probably, you know? But hey, it is what it is. Rules is rules. Number three, ask people who you trust. It could be like trusted adults, your pastor, or, you know, spiritual mentors, maybe even family. Family can get a little tricky because... They get a little biased, but you know, if it gets to the point where y'all are talking, things are going well, let your wise counsel people know 
what's going on so that they can kind of catch you if you get caught up in the infatuation phase. If you used to tell them that, you know, this person lied to me about that or they were a little rude with the waiter when we were at the restaurant. And then a couple weeks later, you're talking about, oh, they're so nice and they never lie to me and they're so honest. Your council person is going to be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, remember that you had a red flag about this a couple weeks ago? And they can help you to stay objective and to stay clear. Number four, write these answers down. Write down the things that you notice off the back that you like. Write down the things that you necessarily may have concerns with or you may not like. Write those things down as they occur. So if you need to come back and reflect and look over those things to help you make decisions about moving forward or staying where you are or pulling back a little bit, you can go back and look at real data on what's going on. We've got to stay level-headed. That's the name of the game here. I learned in my singles ministry that dating is a data collection process. That's it. That's it. You're getting to know the person. They're getting to know you. You're collecting data. Is this person going to fit the role? It's kind of like hiring a person on the job. You have clear criteria. You know what the goal is and you know what needs to get done. Now you've got to ask those questions and find out and listen and watch to the potential candidates to see who would be the best fit for the job. It sounds kind of not romantic when you put it that way, but that's what it is. Because I don't know about y'all, but like whoever my person is going to be like, we're, we're building an empire. Like we're on a mission. Another thing that um, Mr. Thomas looks at during the book that says you can kind of rank um, your love interest on is look at how they work on these six things. So look at how they express humility. Are they humble? Are they a prideful person? Look at their prayer life. Do they pray? Do they pray with you? Do they pray in public? Do they pray consistently? Look at their ability to forgive. Because if someone can forgive, one, they're in right standing with God. And two, that's going to be something that y'all are going to have to do for the rest of your lives. So if they're good at doing it now, it would be easier in the future. Look at, are they skilled in friendship? If a person has maybe cut off all their friendships in like the past year, or they don't keep a friend very long, that's something that you need to kind of watch. Because either one, they can cut you off really quickly. Or two, there may be some things that is kind of hindering them from cultivating relationships. Look at how they communicate. Do they know how to communicate? Are they respectful in their communication? Are they consistent? Um... Seeing how someone communicates lets them know, lets you know about their self-awareness, their emotional intelligence, and listen for what they're not saying too. Listen to what they may omit or what they may not say. And that includes looking at their body language, 
seeing how they react to certain topics. Do they get quiet on one topic and then light up on another topic comes up? Pay attention to those things. And then lastly, look at how they reconcile conflict. Are they a person that likes to start a lot of conflict? Do they avoid conflict? Are they collaborative with conflict? You want to know how they handle conflict because these are things that are going to occur for the rest of your life if y'all so choose to move forward. So again, be prayerful. Collect your data. It's okay to do this with wisdom and with intentionality. The last thing that I would suggest, and I got this from Jackie Hill Perry's Gay Girl Good God book. She was talking about when she was um, friends with her now husband, Preston. She was saying how she asked God to say, God, please lead me with Preston. Show me what you want me to do. Lead us into where you want us to go. And God, if it doesn't work out like I want it to, please help me and give me eyes to see him as my brother in Christ. And that is so huge, y'all, because it's so easy to maybe talk to somebody, it doesn't work, and then you want to just cut them off or ostracize them or avoid them at church or whatever it may be. I don't know. But at the end of the day, God's like, okay, just because it didn't work out romantically like you thought it was going to, that's still my child and I need you to treat him right. I need you to treat her right no matter what happened. And I think that's why it's so important, especially when we are dating God's way is, you know, at the end of the day, we still have an obligation to love everybody and to treat everybody right. Whereas in my past life, if I didn't like you anymore, I just cut you off. Maybe did a subtweet about you and then went on about my business. But we can't treat God's people like that. So that's more of a call to take things slowly, listen for God and like watch his leading on things. Because it's a whole lot, it's a lot more difficult for you to treat somebody with God's love after they done been in your bed, after they know all your family and friends. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a lot easier when you pursue people as friends and you see them as um, God's children first and then your bae second. And I think overall, if I could boil this all down, you know, how to beat the infatuation beast, how to date in a way that pleases God, If I had to boil it all down to a verse, which is a life mantra for all of us as Christians, it would be Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If we are keeping God first, so that's before every date, every interaction, even on every single day, you know, where you feel low. And you're saying, God, please lead me in this. If we are keeping him first, keeping him our first priority, seeking 
the, his kingdom and doing his righteousness, doing the right thing and progressing his agenda on a daily basis, we won't get caught up in the infatuation storm. If we keep our eyes on him and keeping him as first priority. So that means while I'm dating, while I'm talking to somebody, my prayer time doesn't decrease. The time where I check on my family and friends doesn't decrease. My ministry time is not affected. All these things, these relationship stakes that I have with God are not being affected. If anything, they need to be even stronger when you meet somebody. So that you can make sure that you're not getting sucked up into the emotions. Like they said, the book said it's easier to pretty much control and stay celibate than it is to control these these emotions that are with infatuation. So if you are keeping him first and saying, God, I want what you want. Then when that person is no longer hitting you up and y'all are no longer going on dates. If you really saying you want what God wants. You're not going to be as hurt when it doesn't work out. If God didn't want that, he must have better for me. I'm going to continue to trust his plan. Easier said than done. Absolutely. But you got to start somewhere. Another thing that I kind of like to do is like, I get excited when I'm talking to somebody new. It's cool to call your girlfriend and be like, oh my God, girl, guess what? You know, like that's super fun. It's exciting. I don't know why girls, we love doing that. We love to talk about our relationships. But anyway, like if you haven't asked God for his advice, don't go and ask your friends for theirs. Seek him first. Ask him about it first. Like, well, you know, God, I felt some type of way when I saw him, you know, do X, Y, and Z today. What is that about? What does that reveal about his character? Ask God first. And then if you want to take it to your trusted spiritual friends. Emphasis on the spiritual and trusted part. And ask them. You can have a discussion about it. But don't weigh what they say over what you get from God. Sometimes God can speak through our trusted spiritual counselors. Which is why we should seek their counsel. But always just test it to see, well, what did God tell you? And when you do hear something from God, write that down too. You kind of just want to keep like a note. Like I said, being infatuated is kind of like being drunk. So, you know, we don't remember, we don't really remember things when we're drunk. So write it down. Stay objective, stay wise, stay the course. Remember, if this this person doesn't work out, it's not the end for you. God still has a plan. He has so much more in store. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. All right, guys, I want to hear you say so. Let's talk about this infatuation phase. Tell me your struggles with it. If you had successes with it, um, how you kind of made it through or how difficult is it for you to keep it under control? I want to hear about it. That's a wrap for today's episode of Chris and Christ. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I can't wait to hear from you again. Let's keep in touch. Follow me on all social media platforms at Chris and Christ. Until next time, remember, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of your testimony. Be blessed. Hey, play my music. Mm-hmm.